I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You might have noticed, newspapers, TV stations, and other news outlets are dropping like flies in Canada these days. Whoops, there goes another one. But that's okay because it leaves more room for independent media like Ravel.ca. You can join the independent media revolution too. Go to www.ravel.ca slash donate. This is a Rabble Podcast Network show. Rabble.ca Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with a new CBC doc uh, coming out in the very near future called Above the Law. My conversation today on Face to Face is with Godfred Adai and Marc Serpa-Francoeur. This is a film that you have to see. Uh, This current uh, offering is about 45 minutes long. It's on CBC Gem, POV Docs. You can find it there for free. And uh, there is going to be a, uh, as far as I know, an international release, hopefully doing the festival uh, circuit in the fall or maybe early 2021 called No Visible Trauma. So look for that as well. This is a film that um, is, is, is disturbing on so many levels, and yet it's a great film. It's it's something that you need to see. It moves along at a very quick pace. It it pulls you in right from the get go. This is a film that has. This is a story. Godfrey's story is is universal. It is a. You know what is so interesting to me? And and wow, some of my listeners and certainly friends and family are going to roll their eyes. But this is a story about love. It really is, and about love overcoming. It's about relationships. It's about becoming better humans, and it's about it's about challenging the status quo. It's about about uh, social injustice. It's about injustice sort of, I guess you could say, almost writ large. And in this time that we find ourselves in right now, in this is Black Lives Matter uh, phase that we find ourselves in where, where systemic racism and uh, signs of oppression and, 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 and ideological leanings of various kinds are bubbling to the surface all over the world. This is a film that is uh, 
a story that needs to be heard and a film that needs to be seen. So I hope, <laughs> have I been clear? Uh, anyway, we get into things about responsibility. Uh, we talk about hubris and ego and, 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 and about accountability and this sort of sense, this sense of in, in, in impunity. We, we talk about, you know, uh, uh, the legal system and how, uh, how we still need to have optimism uh, and hope. And, and what does it uh, mean to actually uh, reform uh, something from the top down while we're sort of critiquing it from the bottom up? What does it mean to have a platform and a voice and, and to actually do something about it? Godfred is the kind of guy who, who I just want to reach out and, and, and hug because he stepped up and he stepped in and he started to push the rock up the hill a lot like Sisyphus, it seems to me, and his case is still unresolved. And I hope and I trust that there is going to be some sort of resolution in the not so distant future. So um, we talk about hate in your heart. And I think that's my comment about why, why this film really in this story. And I hope that's okay, Mark, why this is ultimately, uh, it is about accountability. It's about all those things, but it's also about uh, love and about how to how to step in and and make a difference by um, wanting to help stepping into a situation and and presupposing that we 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 and I use the global we us want to help so I'll leave it there check it out the film will be online by the time this is uh, published within a couple of days above the law CBC look uh, for it actually at a theater near you in the not so distant future no visible trauma will be its other longer theatrical release uh, version uh, God, Fred Adai, and Mark Serpa Francoeur coming right up. Uh, don't forget David Peck Live for more information about my podcasting and my speaking and my my writing. You can ca- ca- purchase a copy of Real Changes Incremental there. I would love for you to do that. And don't forget, if you're coming to this podcast through iTunes or Spotify or, or SoundCloud or one of the others, because we're on a lot of platforms these days, um, please consider leaving us a review. I would so appreciate that. The more iTunes reviews and Google Play reviews we have and so on, the more noise uh, created around face-to-face. And I'm trying to really up the ante on that. And we've got a newsletter you can sign up for. And come to the website, face-to-facelive.ca. Uh, we're, 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 we're over 510 interviews. There's a library there that you can access of some really interesting, fun, I hope entertaining, but all always engaging conversations that I think are going to challenge you and uh, hopefully entertain you in new and interesting ways. So check us out, face-to-facelive.ca. You can also advertise with us in the newsletter, online, certainly in the podcast themselves as well. So reach out if you want to. You can do that through the website and uh, for, for, for more information. And if um, uh, you can also support Face to Face on Patreon, we'd appreciate that if you have uh, the, the means to do that. And if you don't, I totally get it. But I am going to, again, smile and ask you to leave us a review. And please share it with your family and friends. And um, don't forget, too, that Face to Face appears on Rabble, rabble.ca, news for the rest of us, uh, bloggers, podcasters, thinkers, writers, people uh, challenging the status quo in a variety of different ways. Uh, and Face to Face exists there. So check us out there, but check others out there, too. And don't touch that dial coming right up. A uh, uh, conversation with Godfred Adai and Mark Serpa Francoeur talking about their new film, Above the Law.
Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a couple of very special guests here with me today. We couldn't be more timely with the subject matter of this film. It's a new CBC POV docs film coming up in the very near future called Above the Law. We have Mark Serpa-Francourt here with us today and Godfred Adai. Thank you to you both uh, for joining me here on Face to Face today. Real pleasure. Oh, it's wonderful to be with you, David. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. So, so can I ask? Uh, unless you guys are like hunkering down, uh, Mark, are you are you Toronto, Montreal, East Coast, West Coast, Godfrey? Where 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 are you? Well, I'm from I'm from Ghana, West Africa. You're from Ghana, West. Are you calling in from Ghana today on on our call on face to face? No, I'm calling from I'm calling from Calgary. You're calling from Calgary. Nice. So, still still in Canada. Nice to hear that. And you, Mark, where are you at? Yeah, I'm downtown Toronto here, just uh, oh, okay. next to uh, Chinatown. Oh, okay. So, you and I are not too far away from each other. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm somewhere in North Oakville, uh, just west of Toronto. And, and what's beautiful about the one nice thing about COVID right now is I can be in Toronto in about 25 minutes, depending on, uh, on traffic, but traffic has def- is definitely, uh, not, not, the, not what it was, uh, four months ago. So, uh, there, there are some, I, I suppose, uh, uh, positives, uh, to COVID. Um, Thank you guys for the film. I uh, can I say that I enjoyed this film above the law. It's an important film. Uh, it's something that that people are going. I think people are going to be talking about for a long time. I'd love to hear Mark as a director, and I know you co-directed this with with uh, uh, Rabindra Apple, I believe. Um, tell tell me, t- t- how about you set a little bit of context for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, this all got started back in 2015 uh, when I uh, I was put in touch with Godfrey. And um, by his, uh, at the time, his defense attorney, and this is just after he had been acquitted of assaulting an officer, Constable Trevor Lindsay. And uh, basically, uh, Joan Bloomer, the attorney, uh, said to me, hey, I just wrapped this trial and it was really disturbing, uh, you know, what had happened to this this young man. And, uh, you know, perhaps you want to get in touch with him and see whether or not there might be something to explore. And... Uh, Basically, we were put in touch, and uh, kind of the rest is history. I mean, she wasn't uh, exaggerating. It's uh, what Godfrey has been through and what he went through, um, you know, that night uh, is just really profoundly disturbing on so many levels. And that uh, was the impetus for the film. We we started out just um, just focused on Godfrey's story, and then lo and behold, uh, in early 2017. Uh, you know, like anyone else, we we sort of saw the news that uh, you know Calgary Police was they were announcing um, uh, charges of aggravated assault against an officer, and they didn't name him initially, but the name was leaked, and you know we found out that it was the same officer that had you know assaulted Godfrey, and I think that was the point when um, you know we really started to kind of take a bigger look at uh, the Calgary Police Service when we sort of saw these you know these interconnected incidents, and then. Um, yeah, and the third incident uh, with the Heffernan family uh, came about. It's the same attorney, Tom Engel, who's featured in the film, who, uh, you know, Godfrey could talk more about just how challenging it was to find an attorney who was willing to represent him in a civil suit. Um, that's how we got connected with with Tom, who's representing the Heffernans. There's just not very many lawyers in Alberta who historically um, have been interested in going after the police uh, services. Um so yeah, that uh, that's sort of the the genesis of the project. Godfred, to me in the film, Tom Tom comes across as being very committed and very passionate 
about about getting to the bottom of it, to finding out what the real story is, to peeling back the layers. And I mean, he speaks, some, I would imagine you left a fair bit out, Mark, of, of, of what Tom said in some of those interviews, but, but he really does seem very focused on, hey, this, this is wrong and it needs to be addressed. Godfred, can, can you tell me a little bit about why, why is it so hard to find people to come alongside these kinds of stories or defend, I suppose, these kinds of stories? Well, first of all, I think um, I think um, a lot of lawyers, I wouldn't say they don't have the guts, but this kind of cases takes a long time, you know, and a lot of lawyers don't take on cases like this because of it involves the police and it takes such a long time. It's such a battle with the, with the police, you know, in cases like this. So I think that's why a lot of lawyers don't take on cases like this because do, do you think it do you think it's fear are they are they worried about bad press yeah well lawyers and some lawyers and the police you know prosecutors some of them work work hand in hand so um yeah maybe a little fear yeah I, I can add that I've heard anecdotally um, from more than one lawyer that, you know, there is a challenge because, uh, uh, you know, if, if you if a lawyer works at a firm where the firm is, say, representing uh, police officers, uh, that can be an issue where there's, uh, you know, basically it's not it's not good for business to, uh, you know, right, to, right. You know, a, what, what one hand is doing and the other is, you know, so there's that kind of a situation. But I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of attorneys just don't really feel like it's it's worth it for them to kick the. Uh, the the wasp hive nest um so to speak and then also as godford says i mean generally speaking um these are cases that are you know usually the uh victims of police are not uh, people with uh enough you know extensive resources to bankroll massive uh legal campaigns that stretch right. over the course of years so when you're working on a contingency basis um that's also a challenge because the lawyers are working generally speaking with uh, only on the promise uh of of a future payoff and actually I think in Canada and Alberta in particular, I mean, we sort of imagine based on, say, what we see in American media, that there's like massive payouts uh, as a result of civil suits. And that's really not the case. The the uh, punitive damages, for example, in Alberta are capped very, very low. Mm. Um, so these are not uh, nobody. Nobody's making fortunes off of uh, civil suits, you know. Yeah. So it, you know, and, and, and then I, the cynic in me just wants to say, oh, great. So it all comes back to money again. You know, where, where does, where does passion and commitment and intention and, 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 and social justice, you know, uh, by the way, Mark, I, I love the way you, you end the film with though. I mean, I think the last line is injustice is an awful thing. I mean, you, you know, you could have, I mean, in a way, I guess you bookend the film, I suppose, by starting out with that, you let the audience see that injustice for ourselves. And then, and then we kind of, um, we, we end there. I can I ask you, uh, I've got, a, I got another question there for you, Godfred, and how, how you were feeling about, you know, when you stepped into the complaint, but I'd love to mark how you, you started the film with, uh, for me, this is what it said, nine 11, you know, for what city. And I kind of felt like there was a prophetic edge to that. And I don't know if you guys meant this to be the case, but this is this is kind of this is a universal story. This is not just about Calgary. This is not just about a Canadian city, not just about an American city. This is a global issue, right? This is about power, accountability, it's about oppression. Yes. It's about all those things. Godfred, can you talk a little bit about that? Um 
Can you repeat the question again? Yeah, well, the the way the film started, 9-11, you know, your question that was asked to you for what city, I mean, it, it blows me away that Mark and, and um, you know, you guys as filmmakers were able to take such a tragic moment to me and turn it into this this statement this like you could you could write a paper on that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. i mean mark like this is i i interviewed sam soko recently i don't know if you know him for hot dogs and his film softy and all about kenya and all about the police brutality and oppression and politics and corruption and and it's like i couldn't help but smile and think of sam it could have been there too right 911 for what city could have been happening in nairobi as well so i guess godfred you know this is a universal problem right yeah. yeah and how how are we ever going to sort it out that's a, there's a big question for you i think um i think the police force in in, in canada and not just in canada but like in well, we're in canada right now so the police force in Canada needs needs a huge re- um, reform. Um, mm. The fact that I'm calling for help and they hang up for me, I had to call like two, three times just to get help, and they knew they knew what was going on. You know, like it's not like they had no idea what was going on. They they, they sort of knew what was going on because one of the officers um, um, radioed into the dispatch and told the dispatch, hey, this is what's going on. We dropped off a guy, blah, blah, blah. So they sort of kind of knew what was going on, but they just decided to not help me. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's about time things has got to change, you know, globally, not just in Canada, but globally. Globally. Godfred, you know, I couldn't help, and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I've I've spent time in Calgary. I'm a Canadian. I know I've been to Mongolia. I know I oh, know what cold, around, I know what cold temperatures are like. Minus thirty-eight in Mongolia. We get those temperatures here in Toronto sometimes with the wind chill. I remember going to Calgary when I heard they dropped you off in track pants at minus twenty-eight. I know the cold the cold in Calgary is a little bit different. Yeah. It seems to me. It's dry. And, and, it's so dry and it just cuts you to the bone yeah. and i couldn't help but think and believe me i know lots of uh, people in law enforcement and lots of human beings are are are, are deeply human and caring and loving yeah. but where does the the job end and kind of the human being start how do you just drop somebody off i don't care who they are right yeah in in minus 28 and say you know all the best yeah. right like they, I, yeah, that that that's mind-boggling to me, and I, I think for your your comment about reform, for reform is essential. Do you think it has to do with training, Godfred? I mean, you've you've seen a lot now. I know your case is still open, so I know there's some questions we can't even or don't even want to ask you. But what have you learned about that? Are police officers, are law enforcement officers, becoming? Uh, are they getting better training? Are they becoming more sensitive to these types of things? Um. I think they're getting a good training, but they can do better, you know, because mm. they're dealing with a whole lot of people with different mentalities, you know. So as a police officer, before you get hired, they should check your background, make sure you don't have any, you know, KKK in your system. Um, mm. Yep. You got to make sure that you don't have any, you know, hate in your heart. You know, it's just some people just want to become cops so they can abuse the power, you know. Like some people want to actually become cops 
and do a good job. But I think they need more training, more training on how to deal with the public, like people. Let's just say, okay, that night, what if I was going through like a mental health issue or something like that, right? And this is how they handled me. So again, I think they need more training, um, how to talk to people, how to de-escalate situations, you know, how to just deal with the public, not, not in the way of beating them up or like, you know, using violence and stuff like that, but. Well, just even Godfrey, just even simply, you know, the notion of how to talk to people, you know, just that idea of being able to some, I mean, there's a relationship of a kind between, um, you know, with all of us, the people that we meet. And so what does that actually mean? And I think Mark, you and I were talking a little bit about, and help me out here. What do they call them in the UK? Um, uh, is it, is it, a um, uh, when they, when they go to, to, to a scene, is it a wellness check? Is that what they call it? Uh, I'm not sure the specific term that they use in the UK. Uh, we were just discussing, and this is if, if listeners want to go back to, um, to a film called hold your fire that was also done by the CBC, just a very, uh, the notion that, um, you know, going in with guns out to respond to a wellness check is a, is a, is the only option is, is on its face, just absurd. And that film really illustrates, uh, well, different techniques in the UK, uh, what we see there is that uh, officers will go in with large sort of shields that, you know, are basically head to foot. And if somebody, say, has a, a knife or something, it's it's quite actually simple to gradually kind of, say, work them into a corner. And then you can basically patiently wait for that person to calm down. Um, so there are many alternatives. Um, yeah. Uh, I might just uh, loop back to the, 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 the question of sort of what Godfrey's case uh sort of has to tell us. And I think to us, like to me, it's just, and, and my partner, Rabinder, we made this film together. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's just like, this is such a powerful illustration of the need for accountability on so many levels. Mm, and I think right. that the way that the officers behave towards Godfrey to me is just an illustration of clearly a sense of impunity, um, as to, uh, the consequences of their actions. I mean, if we start just with the initial, um, incidents of being picked up by is actually two officers, uh, Danakli and Kwasnicha. And then there was a third, a sergeant who was involved as well, um, who came on the scene. But for these officers to, it's not a, like it, the question of, you know, is this a training issue? I mean, these officers knew they must have known because again, or if they didn't, then that really begs the question. But to detain somebody in the way they did, uh, potentially without, uh, apparently without due process, according to their own, to uh, Constable Denockley's own testimony, there was no discussion mm -hmm. that he had chartered and cautioned um, Godfrey. And there was certainly, he didn't claim that he had done that. And it wasn't indicated in his notes to detain someone, uh, drive them in the opposite direction of, of his home, which they knew where it was also because again, they had taken his ID and take him to an isolated location and abandon them there. I mean, the notion that, um, you know, that, oh, we're teaching this kid a lesson or something like that, that this is something right. that they felt was okay. And hey, Godfrey Mark, mentioned... Uh, I, don't ahead, want, yeah. I don't want to cut you off, but the whole time they were transporting me, um, I was telling this guy, like, this officer, like, hey, drive me to my house. So I think at one point at trial, the judge is like, so how come you did not drive this guy to his house? And I think his answer was like, I'm not a taxi service, you know? And I was like, wow. <laughs> You're not a taxi service, but you can just kidnap me and drive me somewhere just really like 
the whole logic in that just there's no logic in that. It just well, and this was you're, you're absolutely right, and this is what the judge member in, in in the trial the judge pointed out very clearly that he he could not understand the logic, and the officer was unable to justify what exactly their reasoning was for driving you where they did. What the reason was for removing you from that place in the first place where they had, and your lawyer pointed out a court, right? You had a warm car you could wait in. You could wait in the lobby of the now shuttered, but then open Shamrock Hotel, which was a block away, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. The Shamrock Hotel there. How's that for some irony? Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, No, it's just unbelievable. Filmmakers love that kind of stuff. Don't they, Mark? And I I honestly don't think um, Donakuli and his partner pulled up to help us because if they actually really came to help us, they wouldn't drive you somewhere to just leave me out Wait, there and to go freeze out there, you know. God, Godfrey, you know, you just you just hit on a really interesting notion that I think is utterly brilliant in the sense that if they had arrived with the notion of we're here to help, yeah, right, yeah. versus we're here to protect ourselves or we're here to protect the community, they're there to do that as well, to serve and protect. I think they came nope. to harass us, that's all. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe it's that that black and white, but it's yeah. it's yeah, that's troubling. But I love that idea. If the if the training and to your point, Mark, training's not going to fix everything. But if you, I mean, if all of us as humans, international development workers, that's my background, doctors, you know, ER uh, specialists, etc., surgeons, if we actually went to work in the morning, I mean, how crazy is that? Are we are we too idealistic here, Godfred, Mark? You know step into a situation to help, you know, not, not to hinder, not to make it worse. Right. Anyway, I just think, I think it's lovely. I think it's simple. And I think it's, it's really quite brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Mark, t- tell me, tell me both of you, this is a question for both of you and, and Godfrey, by the way, I love it when you interrupt Mark. So go right ahead. Um, 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 uh, Tell me about the extremes, Mark. You talked about this, you know, this sense of impunity, this, this almost, well, above the law. I mean, was, and can I just throw in a little fun 80s reference? Is this, is this a Steven Seagal reference by any chance? Uh, you, uh, we're, you know, we're, the... we're aware of the, uh, the, lesser, <laughs> uh, the lesser importance above the law. That's, his, uh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. No, we definitely, you know, you have to do these title searches. Uh, yes, of you know, course. I, I think. I think we might be in trouble because above the law is out there and ATL is out there. So, <laughs> well, it is Steven Seagal. So, you know, yeah. watch out. Watch we out. Have, man. We have a, a movie out there called ATL. I believe it's um, TI and. Uh, it's oh, maybe, with the uh, same acronym. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one I didn't same, know about. Uh oh. Yeah, this, it's called ATL. It's, it's an old movie. I have no idea where Steven Seagal is today, but he's a tough customer, guys. So be careful. Be Isn't careful. He Russia? Yeah. Didn't he move to Russia? I don't know. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't I, want no problems with Steven Seagal. Yes, that's right. You don't need any more problems. I watch enough yeah. of his movies. He never gets that's, it. He never that's gets right. it. That's right. Yeah, it's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so the sense of impunity, the extremes of it, like Mark, again, something you and I chatted about, and I'm so glad this is coming up, but there was a line by one, I think one of the officers or somebody who was behind a camera, uh, in front of a camera, behind a microphone said something like, you know, with respect to the other case, uh, where the, where Ezra was involved as a result, quote, as a result of his action, a firearm was discharged So that's as if there was no... Like, yeah, of course we shot the guy because he did something wrong. 
right? Really quite stunning. So you're referring to it's it was then Deputy Chief Paul Cook, who was uh, no, he was, sorry, he was interim chief at the time for less than a year. And he gets up. This is the first press conference that CPS does after the fatal shooting of Anthony Heffernan. And he gets up there. This is within hours. And he makes this statement that as a result of his actions, his being Anthony in case, a firearm was discharged. I mean, this is before any sort of investigation. Like, what business does he have? Mm. I think this, it's a, you know, what business does he have getting out there and making a statement like that, uh, attributing, again, like causation to something that then ACERT goes on to investigate, you know, for a year and a half. And uh, again, they found, uh, you know, grounds to believe that, uh, that in fact, uh, you know, criminal acts had been committed. So it's just to me, it's, it, it speaks to, uh, I don't know if it's a tone deafness or again, a sense right. of hubris on, on the part of, 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 um, of the department that they can get out there and just make a, a, a statement like that um, before the investigation has even begun. It's really quite outlandish, I think, and something that was very upsetting to the family, certainly. Godfrey, and if you don't mind me asking, and if you don't want to go here, I totally get that. But, you know, I think it was a month after you were arrested that you 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 put together a formal complaint. That must have been that must have been pretty difficult to step into that, to have to sort of relive that. I would imagine you would have had to written thing oh, quite a bit down on paper, et cetera, be interviewed. What, what was that experience like for you or or was it uh, was it really empowering? Well, at first, I didn't even know anything about filing complaints and you know so after after the incident um i think like a couple of few days after that i was just doing um research online like you know wh what to do when you get beat up by cops and blah 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 and i started seeing all these complaints and how to file a complaint and all that but um yeah it was just like i had to do something about it you know i was like I can't just let them get away with this, you know, because something has to be done about it. If not, bad things are going to happen, you know. And well, I love, Godfred, I love that you clearly, uh, I mean, you spoke truth to power and you are continuing to speak truth to power. And I think that's a really difficult thing to do for so many reasons. Um, love to know, was there... Did you have a community of people around you supporting you in any way, or was were you just were you uh, uh, on your own entirely at this point? Yeah, I was on my own. Like wow, yeah. There's no, there was no family members. There was no mom and dad behind me. There was no like like Black Lives Matter movement behind me. You know, there was nobody. Just me, me myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> wow, it. I find it fascinating that that you that you stood up and stepped in. You know that you actually did follow through. I mean, so, how many people don't? Right. I think Mark, you might know more about this. Uh, I mean, I almost uh, died out there, so mm, at this point, I'm like, I got nothing to lose. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. And and did you have a sense that maybe just maybe justice would prevail that that some change might come from something like this yeah i was hoping like after i filed a complaint i was hoping like you know they'll do something about it like either like suspend the officer or like just take my complaint serious you know but nope they did not they just let a guy loose and that was it that was it i really had high hopes i had high high hopes that they were gonna like either charge the officers or like, you know, some sort of punishment for the officers or like 
something like that, but nothing happened. So, Godfrey is touching on such an important point, uh, and this again relates back to the question of accountability. Mm. Um, and this relates to this is not just the Calgary problem. This is quite common, um, you know, across the country to do with again, like who 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 is it that when a citizen comes forward with a complaint, and in this case, as we know, it's a very serious complaint. Who is it that's adjudicating? Uh, you know, that's responding right. and adjudicating to that, and. Uh, oftentimes, as is in the case in Calgary to present day, uh, this is all handled internally through the professional standards section. Um, and, uh, you know, putting aside whether or not there's sort of, you know, impartiality on that on that side, basically, um, we're just looking at a system that is just on a fundamental level isn't functioning. Um, you know, according to, you know, we spoke with former police chief Roger Chaffin, police chief of Calgary. And he right. talked about the original conception for how these professional, uh, how, you know, public complaints are supposed to be handed. These are supposed to be things that are turned around. You know, we're talking like in the span of months, right? This is supposed to be quick. You investigate thoroughly and quickly. And what's happened is, you know, you're looking at situations like in Godfrey's case, a complaint filed in January 2014. This has still not been resolved. You know, we saw a case recently. Again, it was from 2012 that was being resolved in 2019. I mean, this is just outlandish. It, and, it really is. It and really yeah. is and the, fact that, the fact that they keep talking about um, the investigation is still going on. Investigation is still going on. Like, this is six years. This is not a, like a triple homicide investigation you're doing. All the, evidence, all the evidence is in front of you. You have the video. You have the calls. You know what the officers did. And it's still taking so long. It's like they don't want to do anything about it. They don't want to do absolutely nothing about it. Well, it's interesting, Godfrey and and Mark. Doesn't Roger, the the former chief of police, doesn't he actually say there's there's a high need for 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 all of us to be accountable? Like he includes himself in that. And now I know he's no longer the chief of police, but that speaks volumes. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, and again, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, and I I do believe that that is uh, something that he ascribed to, and maybe many folks do. And again, it's one thing to have high principles on, on paper, you know, right, and, in, and then and to follow your, through. Well, this is really the issue. And again, for, uh, officers to behave the way that they did in Godfrey's case, uh, both, you know, dropping them off and then the assault. And again, you know, and there's no, where, where is the follow-up for that? Right. Like where is the accountability for it? And there were, and part of what, you know, we, we try to do with the film is, is juxtapose these two different instances of Godfrey's interaction with constable Trevor Lindsay which resulted in no charges against Constable Trevor Lindsay, and then the aggravated assault charges for the um, now convicted, uh, you know, so we can describe it. This was an aggravated assault that's not alleged, not alleged anymore, of Robert Howard. And as Godford points out, he's like, what do you see in one video that's different in the other? Because it looks pretty mm. similar to him. And I'll tell mm -hmm. you, I, 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 I heard a, an off-the-record, um, or I can't name who it was, but an Alberta Crown prosecutor who you know, recently looked at this video and said to me, wait a minute, like, where were the charges in Godfrey's case? You know, exactly. why, why weren't there charges? And I said to him, my response was quite glib. I said, oh, perhaps a broken system of, uh, right. <laughs> of accountability. Um, because again, he's, you know, in his, in, you know, this person looked at it and said, well, that looks like an assault to me. And that's and, really and is that because, Mark, is that because of sort of the similarity and the intentionality of it almost? that they can say there's similarities to the videos therefore. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. I think it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, you're looking at a video and like, yeah, you don't know what happens before and you don't know what happens after, but you can right. certainly see what's happening in the video. It's pretty clear. And 
you know, you have in Godfrey's case for viewers who haven't, you know, for listeners who haven't seen this, this is Godfrey was in handcuffs. This officer is dragging him through the snow. Again, why are you dragging through the snow? What is the rush? Where is it you're taking him? That part is unclear. Can't you wiggle back up? <laughs> well, exactly. And backup is coming. So, like, why don't you just, you know, you've already tased, Godfrey, at that point, you'd already been tasered. You're yeah. already in handcuffs. So why does he feel the need to drag you through the snow and then falls on top of you, right? And at yeah. this point, this proceeds to repeatedly, you know, knee and punch you in ways that, again, you, you still haven't physically recovered. This is, you know, permanent physical damage, putting aside the emotional damage as well and the, and the lasting trauma. Yeah. So not, not to be too, too facetious, but why not let the minus 28 degrees Celsius do its work to some degree and wait for backup and, and have a conversation and try to talk somebody down? Like, I don't know. Again, once again, easy to say uh, on the other side, right? I mean, that's, and I'm, I'm sure that's what the critics are going to say the whole time. But, but was it Joan? Uh, God, is it Godfrey? Is that your lawyer, Joan? Yes. Yeah, I think this was mind-boggling to me, and I think there there's a there's a PhD thesis here. No joke. I'm not. I'm, you were basically arrested on a gesture. That's what I took from that piece, and I'm so glad you left this in, Mark. And then she went on to say something about your demeanor and how. And I just I, I actually had to stop the film and and reflect on that. So hang on a minute here. So the lawyer threw a video from a helicopter, I believe, is saying, okay, hang on a minute here. I'm sensing the demeanor. I, I don't think this was, this is excessive, right? This, so in other words, she could read your intuitive, uh, what, what you were giving off intuitively and enough to say, I'm going to step back, right? Yeah. Do, do you know where I'm going with that? Does that make sense? Yeah, just to clarify. So the demeanor comment was referring to actually to when Godfrey came to see Joan Bloomer, his, who became his defense attorney, that she basically, Godfrey, and you can talk more about this, but you were adamant to her. You said there has to be video of what happened, right? Oh, yeah, right. Yes, that yes, yes. That's, that's right. I'm sorry. You yeah. have the video. And Godfrey, you insisted this is a construction site. There has to be some There's sort of There's got to be. Yeah, because I went back, says, I went back, I think, a couple days ahead, after. Right. I think I went back the, the day after or a couple days after. And um, I was just looking around, you know, the scene. And I saw this construction camera over there. So that kind of gave me a little hope that, you know, yeah, maybe sure. that camera kind of caught something, but. But I guess, I guess, I guess, yeah, no, well, Mark, she, thanks, thanks she, for that. But, the, but, but I guess my, my point is about her comment of being able to read his demeanor. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if, what if, a, what if a law enforcement, what if a police officer to Godfrey's earlier point was able to come to work, you know, to help a little more human, able to talk read demeanor hmm maybe maybe i'm oversimplifying here folks and i know lots of people are probably rolling their eyes but i think we'd be looking at a different situation well i, I would like to think that is the least we can expect from uh, right. from, from, from public officials who again are entrusted with a monopoly on violence and are paid very mm. handsomely. you know lest we forget that these are right that the average salary is well and you know well above a hundred thousand dollars you know for i think a lot of people don't realize that uh you know that this is not like a bottom of the barrel job. These people are very well paid. They have uh, excellent benefits and pensions. Um, so to you know, expect them to uh, I don't know service with a smile, but certainly, like you said, some basic empathy and compassion. So 
sadly we're getting close to the end of in the end of our time together which is just mind-boggling to me i knew it was going to fly by uh, um, you you bring up the new chief uh, that coming in talks about bad apples and you know the barrel and so on and i i'm personally I've, I've studied philosophy for years and always really i mean i love analogies but i'm also quite suspicious of them if you accept the analogy you know you've kind of won the argument do you was that put in there tongue-in-cheek mark uh was that to say you know what maybe they actually are going to get rid of some of those bad apples and start getting better apples into the barrel don't want to go too far with the uh the analogy here i think so yeah so his the reason why we kept it so his comment is that you know he basically rejects the bad apple theory or says that to just say oh this is a these are bad apples that's not good enough what you have to do is check and make sure that it's the barrel that's not rotten and to us that's a profound statement. I mean, the way we're, you know, these are his words. And in my mind, that is really sort of the question that the film is posing is, you know, uh, is it appropriate to dismiss these actions of these officers as the the behavior of, of bad apples? Or is it, in fact, a, a larger systemic problem? And I think that a lot of Canadians, based on what they've been seeing recently, are asking those same questions. It's like, mm. wait a minute, are these just individual bad actors? Or are we dealing with bigger systemic issues, be it racism, be it, uh, you know, a lack of willingness on the part of, say, Crown prosecutors to prosecute police officers, whatever those reasons are. But that is really the question. I think that's why we, to us, it was quite a telling, I remember during the interview when he, when he said that, just sort of it lighting up something. It's just like, well, you know, I, you know, just uh, that, that really is the question. Is it the barrel that's rotten? I, I so love too, that you leave uh, Daniel's brother in whose parent, whose Robert, dad was yeah. a, was a police was a police officer, and 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 I think it's you know I love and I think Godfred uh, Mark, I love the way you approach the film. I love the presentation. I love I, I love your demeanor, Godfred. You you strike yeah, me as you. a really measured guy, and the fact that you stepped into this not not really knowing where any of this would pan out. I'm so glad you stepped up and stepped in, and and I hope that that this film and i hope your story uh, will will encourage others uh, to do the same but to do it in a you know in a meaningful way in a way that's actually going to hopefully challenge the system and, and ultimately mark i mean you strike me as a pretty hopeful guy maybe maybe not i don't know you at all but but it, it's got to be pretty challenging to make a film like this do you do you still get a bed do you still get out of bed with hope in the morning well, I certainly get out of bed with uh, a pressing need to uh, deliver the film to the CBC. So, I guess. <laughs> so you're not finished yet? Is that what you're oh, no, no. There's, there's so many. Uh, guys hilarious. Maybe I, should, maybe I should retract that statement. Actually, no. The movie, the movie is done. Uh, there's, right. You know, there's a lot of lot of things that the little stuff. My my parents sure. keep asking. You know, it's like, wait, aren't you done already? And it's like, no. But there's all the other stuff that goes with it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's. You know, I think that, you know, it's been a, a huge motivation for Rabindra and I making this movie again over the past. Now it's almost it's more than five years, you know, since we met to were introduced to Godfrey. Um, yeah. It's actually almost maybe five years on the nose. In any case, is Godfrey's optimism. Godfrey mm, always nice. says, like, he, uh, Godfrey, the number of times I've heard you say, well, hopefully, hopefully this will be different. And hopefully, you know, there will be some accountability. I mean, I think that that's partly what has really kind of given us the motivation is that mm. if Godfrey can maintain his hope, what right do we have not to maintain ours? That's exactly. That's, that's, cool. that's, 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 the, that's the way to put it, you know, because, man, what I've been through, a lot of people break down. Let me just say that. <laughs> 
Godfred, like, you know what? This might be a beautiful place to end, and I think that's awesome. And thanks for mentioning that, Mark. But where, 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 where do you go to uh, to find to find that hope? Where do you go to? Uh, what's the a friend of mine will ask me sometimes, David? How do you get recharged? What, where, where do you find that kind of hope? Where, do, how do you get out of bed like that in the morning? Because that's, I think, that's an, a, a beautiful and amazing thing. I, I don't know what keeps me going, but man, the strength is just from God, you know. It just like so when we and Mark first connected, I never thought this day would come, you know. July eleventh, mm. I never thought that day would come. He but, never, you never thought it would actually. You would never, you never yeah. thought you'd see this day, basically. Exactly, like you know, like That's... and it's just man, these guys are amazing, man. They never give up for me, you know, and I never give up on them. So it's. Well, I love it. I love, I love, I love, it sounds like it was, it's a, it's a spiritual thing for you. And, and that's amazing. I, I, I think that the, the follow through of the, of the team and the crew and Mark and you guys seeing the story through to the end. And I love the fact that the thread seems to have been hope. And, and that is, again, I've said it, I think two or three times in this interview already, but that's a, that's a beautiful thing. I think, well, I think this is God's plan. You know, this is God's plan. The fact that I survived that night, throughout the cold and it's been six and a half years and I'm still this strong, man. It's, you know, I'll just just add, I tell you, you know, Godfrey, unfortunately, you know, what would, and maybe it would have been different without, uh, you know, the pandemic, but uh, a few weeks ago you spoke at a, you were one of the sort of featured speakers at a Black Lives Matter protest downtown Calgary. And that I could see in the video that Olympic Plaza was just packed. And it was like for, for after all this time, you know, uh, to see, you know, again, you have uh, a platform and a voice and people listening and actually caring. And I mean, that to me was just such a beautiful moment. Um, and I just, you know, I mean, we, we're, we appreciate you every day, you know, that you've, you've kept your head up and, uh, you know, and, um, and that you've, you know, cause a lot of people, I tell you, man, you've, you've been through really severe, you know, not, again, trauma, poverty, I mean, this comes up very briefly in the film, but you were, you know, you were homeless sleeping on your friend's couch for six months. Yeah, you uh, were there. You were filming me there too, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. But, uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long journey, but hey, I'm not going to give up. Well, I hope, you know what, I, again, guys, congrats on the film and, and I hope everyone sees it. I can't wait for international distribution. I, I truly believe with that. I think, I, I think the word's prescient, Mark, but that opening shot, that establishing shot with, for what city? I mean, this is, yeah. this is a film for everyone, man. And, and hey, things like this happen in Canada. Well, yeah, of course they do. Yeah. And right. Cause sometimes, sometimes we get a better reputation. I think uh, there, a better story is told about Canada than sometimes we deserve. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm proud to be Canadian, <laughs> but, but you know, but, but I'm also, that's right. We're not that innocent, right? We are all culpable to some degree. We are all complicit to some degree. And I think this is why it's so important for these types of counter narratives and, and, and thank you to you too, uh, Godfrey, again, for Mark's comment about you had a platform and, and you shared your voice. And I, I hope and I trust you're, you're going to encourage others, uh, you know, to do the same. And, and, and again, uh, yeah, congratulations. Guys, thanks so much for your, for your time today. Hey, Mark, can you tell us just a tiny bit about that more global international release that actually might be coming to a theater near you one day, not just a digital theater? 
Yeah, so, I mean, CBC does what only they can do, and we'll distribute the film uh, domestically. It'll be available online um, in tandem with the broadcast on the 11th. So anyone in the country can see it both uh, on CBC, and that's the CBC, the main channel, where you don't have, um, you know, you don't need to have cable, and then online for free through uh, their website, through JAM as well. Nice. Uh, in terms of international, uh, we certainly, you know, intend to distribute the, the, the film as well. We do have a feature-length uh companion to the film called no visible trauma which uh mm. we're planning and who knows what the festival situation will be like in right. the fall but the hope is to uh, be screening around the country and then internationally starting in the fall and um yeah nice. I mean, we'll we'll go for broke and try for theaters and uh, and see what happens i mean it, it's going to be really i think it's you know we have to be patient but it would be i think it will be really interesting to see also how the film is received um right you know right. in the states and uh, I think oh, uh, from my from sort of been working on this project, I mean, people are always like, what? This is Canada. And right. Um, right. And right. I do think uh, I think um, not to uh, make Americans feel better about their situation, but uh, I do think there is, as you've said repeatedly, there's just a universal reality here. And Absolutely. That, I think it applies in you know, Australia and lots of places that uh, we are not, uh, this is not exclusive to us, but we do have a very serious problem here, as I think uh, we've seen through Godfrey's story and the other stories in the film. So, yeah. Well, I wish you well with it all, the festivals, and uh, this is going to be, I'm going I'm to be pursuing this one with uh, with uh, the festivals as well, but also uh, perhaps uh, Tanya, who's listening to the conversation, the publicist, if you guys are looking for a, an online or a, a live um, a host facilitator, I hope you'll consider me, I would, I would be thrilled to to, to be a part of it and to go deeper into the story. It's been a pleasure getting to know you both. Thanks for your time. Uh, we've been we've been talking with Godfred Adai and Mark Serpa Francoeur here today on Face to Face. Thanks, guys, for your time. I, I really do appreciate it. Thank, Thank you so much, David. Thanks, Thanks for having us, David. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.